it's Christmas time. <laughs> yes, it is. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you to, uh, for tuning in to What a Movie, a nostalgia-infused podcast. We are your hosts. I'm James Ferreira. And I'm Nicole Knudsen. And it is Christmas time. Oh, yes. Uh, how are we doing today? We're good. We're a little tired. We got a tree today. Yes, we are. That's uh, how you know it's yeah, Christmas. Today is a Christmas-filled day. We went and got our Christmas tree from Lowe's. Thank you, Lowe's. Um, I mean, they didn't give it to us. We bought it. We, we they didn't just steal said, it from Lowe's. You want Lowe's. a tree? Take this tree. And they just threw it at us as we went by. It was great. Um, but yeah, we got that set up. We will probably be decorating it once all of recording is done. Uh, and then... Passing out, probably. Probably. Because we're both very tired. But wait, but before we can pass out and before we can do all that, we should watch a Christmas movie. Yes. Uh, We should watch... (laughs) Yes, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, no, in case you didn't watch two. the episode title, what are we watching? We are watching... This is probably the oldest uh, movie that I think we've talked about so far. Yes. From 1964, the Rankin-Basque production of... Rodolfo the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for you uh, non-Italians. <laughs> so, nostalgic connections to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Why don't you start off? Because I believe you brought this to us. Yes? I, I did. I was the one who suggested this. And for the very brief amount of time that I was alive and before The Lion King came out, this was my favorite movie as a child. Wow. My Your favorite? Yes. Oh, wow. My, I don't fully remember this, but my, according to my parents, I would watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer into the month of February. Like, I, baby Nicole, and I do mean, like, baby Nicole, like, two-year-old Nicole, loved Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, so this was, uh, until the Lion King swooped in to claim its, its, uh, title, as my favorite that. movie from childhood, and also still one of my favorite movies, um, this held that title for a formative couple of years. You could say that The Lion King had Rudolph hanging off the cliff and then said, long live the king, and then <laughs> sent Rudolph careening down into I the suppose. valley. Um, but yeah, had this on VHS in the like cardboard sleeve mm-hmm. case, um, Probably watched it until the VHS wore out. I'd be curious to like go back and see like the quality How of the VHS tape is now. is now, just to see like, oh god, did I? Because I only learned this like as an adult. Like the more you watch VHS tapes, mm-hmm. the the worse the quality gets. Um, the more you love something, the more you end up killing it. I, that was that I that, mean, that that was the old VHS motto. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong in this particular case. So that's my nostalgic connection. To Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. What about you? Nice. Um, that is a much firmer connection than I have. I was familiar with this movie growing up. I don't believe I ever actually watched it as a kid. If I did, it would have been when I was really little. I didn't properly watch it actually until I was in college. Um, I was uh, I was hanging out with someone who loved this movie and was like, you haven't watched this, we're putting it on right now. And so I didn't really properly see it till i was much older um i feel like that is too old for that to be your introduction to this movie (laughs) well you go in with a certain understanding like i know the kind of movie it was i was familiar with what these movies were too so i wasn't expecting it to blow my mind in any way um but for what it was i was like oh i get it this is sweet this is cute this is enjoyable and i I, and, and i enjoyed it a lot 
Yeah, so... I'm still a child at heart in some ways, audience. (laughs) So with our nostalgic connections established, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do we think we remember the plot? I remember, I mean, it's if you know the song, you probably know the plot. I know that it does take some detours that are not in the song, for sure. It's kind of a stringing together of things, so like, I'd say probably like a five. I'm at like a nine or a ten. Okay. I, well, then I guess I'm the one who will have to... Ha-ha! The tables ha-ha. are turned back to you! Ah, turn these so, tables back around. Uh, with the lower of the two scores, please give us what you think happens in this movie. Well, it all starts off with our young Rodolfo coming of age in the North Pole, and uh, he's got himself a red nose, and it's cool, except, remember, he can't have anything nice, and, you know, he's not accepted by his... By his family and friends in the North Pole, especially, I recall, Santa being a particular dick about it. Um, And so he essentially is an outcast and tries to cover it up and meets, like, girl reindeer, which is not meant to be because, you know, reindeer racism. Uh, And he leaves and runs into an elf. I forget the elf's name. Uh, It's like Herbie or Derby or, like... (laughs) Flurby or something. (laughs) Or Uh, Furby. That's a different uh, IP. That's the horror movie version. And then he meets a Furby and he can't turn it off. Even when he takes the batteries out. The Furbies take over the Island of Misfit Toys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be terrifying. Um, So this elf here, he don't want to be an elf either. He wants to be a dentist. Which So they both identify over like, hey, the man can't tell us what to do. We should team up and go fight crime. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. So they take off. And they meet a, a a grizzled mountain man. I do remember him, uh, Yukon Cornelius, I think, uh, who joins them, who's, you know, yeah, there, there's his character right there. They meet the abominable snowman who is, you know, big old scary snowman, but he's really just kind of a goofy looking snowman. Uh, they end up on the island of misfit toys, which with a lot of toys that are honestly just kind of cute and adorable and I don't understand how they're misfit, but nonetheless, they don't fall into the uh, the 1960s way of, you know, you have to look a certain way to be accepted by your society, which is the undercurrent of this entire movie. Uh, stuff happens, they make their way back, there's fog, they come back around to him and say, hey, sorry, but, you know, we were treating you like shit this entire movie, but now we have a transactional agreement with you where you have something that we need and you must help us or, I don't know, you'll be playing reindeer games in your dreams. I don't know. It Then he helps them fly away and everyone lives happily ever after. And do they actually learn to accept him after that? I don't know. Maybe they go right back to hate him after that, uh, for, for all I know. I hope not. But, uh, but that's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we will be going over Am all I of close? that. Am I close? Am I close? Yes, you are close. Very close. There's a lot in there that's right, and there's some things that are like, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, So, yeah. Nostalgia-infused grade. Ah. Why don't you start off, since I just gave this rambling explanation. Also, I don't know if they went off to fight crimes or off to do crimes. Um, Herbie Derby and Rodolfo. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There, were, there is no crime fighting involved. Okay, in so this, they go to sadly. commit crimes. I get it. <laughs> There's no crime committing or crime fighting. I want to steal. <laughs> um, 
So two-year-old Nicole would have given this movie an A+. plus. So that's the nostalgia-infused grade that it's going to start out with is like an, an A+. Plus. A++++++? Plus 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 plus? Probably. Because that's how much baby Nicole loved this movie. And I, I really wish we had a, the power of like physics and time and all that to actually bring baby Nicole into the <laughs> conversation. I think that would be incredible. <laughs> Just he's a little Muppet running around. <laughs> be like, can you get yourself under control? <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> uh, so yeah, A plus for me for nostalgia infused grade. Uh, yeah, like I said, like I saw it when I was older, so I don't have like the nostalgic connection of like baby James watching this. Although I would like to get baby James's opinion as well. If he was running around <laughs> this room as a little Muppet. Um, but I remember seeing it and enjoying it and it was very pleasant. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it an A. <laughs> there was nothing that like I thought made it malicious or bad or, you know, that was so insanely dumb. Like it was, it was cute. So yeah, it's an A. I do also want to specify, I have seen this more recently than since I was two years old, but I have, I probably haven't watched it in 10 or 15 years. So I do have a slightly more recent memory of it. And I do know that like that version of Nicole would not rate it as highly, but I'm going off of like Mm. my initial deep, deep love of this movie. Oh, there's also Burl Ives' Snowman. Yes. Okay. How could I forget about that? (laughs) Um, Our omniscient musical narrator, Burl Ives. Who's not Frosty, but, um, well, I don't know if he's related to Frosty. I don't want to cross that line. I mean, not, <laughs> not saying that all snowmen are related, but, you know, maybe, maybe maybe they chat. Maybe they know each other on the side. They vacation for the summer together. Oh, no. Oh, no. Then it, is it turning into an Olaf situation from Frozen? From Frozen? From, who, from, from Frozen? Frozen? <laughs> I'm so tired. The classic Disney movie Frozen. And it's only like 4 p.m. Frozen? We're recording this in the afternoon, Frozen. dear listener, and... I'm so tired. <laughs> I thought I thought they would vacation for the summer and it becomes a swimming pool. That's so sad. Well, folks. Well, I'm then they just need night. to go into the the Frozen universe and get Elsa to freeze them permanently so that they can experience the changing of the seasons and not. That you just know, reminds melt. me of that scarring animated short that I don't know about you. I grew up with called The Snowman um, that came out in like the 80s, I think. That my parents have recorded on a VHS, which is a very lovely, sweet, like, animated short with, like, no dialogue in there. But, of course, it's, you know, a boy building a snowman. Snowman comes to life. They become friends. But, of course, he wakes up the next day after this insane dream that he has with the snowman and goes out on the snowman and is melted outside. And it's very sad. It's and we don't care about scarring children oh, no. emotionally. Oh, no. It kind of set the standard of who I would become, and that's the arch-villain that you all know now. Uh, Sorry. Anywho, I digress. But I feel like we have flown through this opening segment. Um, Dear listener, if you are just tuning in to this episode for the very first time, hello and welcome. Thank you for listening. For the very first time. We are going to take a break to rewatch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and we will come back and discuss we will go through the plot uh see if there was anything that james missed in his recap there wasn't much no i Um, hit everything (laughs) and uh yeah feel free to pause this episode and watch the movie with us or don't because as we just said we're gonna go through everything anyway but before we pause what will we be drinking or snacking on? That is a good question. My answer is coffee, because again, it is 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And also, coffees are made of beans, and beans are a snack. 
I don't think that's how that works. It is science. Um, it is math. Coffee, because I'm tired. I'm going to be sticking with the coffee as well, I think. And maybe, I don't know, we still, we're watching a Christmas movie. Uh, for the record, dear listener, today is November 29th, and we are still eating Halloween candy. So we might be enjoying some Halloween candy, drinking our coffee, and watching this classic Christmas movie. If you would like any, please Christmas come take movie. some. We have so much, we don't need <laughs> all of it, so please take some. Uh, alrighty. Is that everything? I think that's everything. I think so. Let's go back to back in time for a brisk 51-minute runtime to 1964. They wouldn't let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer crimes. What is the RPG Concierge? It's an interview show that discusses tabletop role-playing games. This hobby has had a renaissance over the past several years, and odds are you've heard of Dungeons & Dragons, hands down the most iconic of RPGs. If you're curious about what D&D is, or other RPGs you've heard of, then check out the RPG Concierge. Are you curious about dipping your toe into this mysterious hobby? Are your friends talking about it, but you feel nervous about joining? Are you afraid of ruining it for everyone else? Well, you're not alone, and as your RPG Concierge, it's my duty to make sure that you feel comfortable. Check out our first season, which is entirely dedicated to getting started with role-playing games. Each episode will discuss a different topic with a new guest, be they brand new players discussing their experiences, or veterans doling out advice for all the rookies out there. We'll remove some of the mystery that surrounds this vast and exciting hobby and have fun doing it. So come check us out. story sit down oh wow welcome back everybody we've just finished our rewatch of rudolph the red-nosed reindeer wow <laughs> wow 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 okay everyone is an asshole and it's actually a horror movie <laughs> yeah there's okay i get do we where do we even where do we, we start, start from the top i think so let's just dive right in it's a very brief movie it was you know a made-for-tv hour-long special which means it's about 50 minutes long um we start with <laughs> newspaper articles being ripped from the headlines of a snowstorm mm -hmm. that could cancel christmas oh no and mm. then we are introduced to our omniscient musical narrator burl ives aka sam the snowman who gets cold occasionally even though i don't know how he's that's made possible. out of snow i don't know but he's also a talking snowman that's true and there's talking reindeers and so don't forget the christmas seals and the christmas seals you cannot forget the christmas seals <laughs> that he just introduces so naturally as being in christmas town the trees of course and the christmas seals of course mm -hmm. and it's like know. like you do like you do so in case you haven't seen this movie, Sam serves as the narrator. He is the one telling this story, which happened, I think he says, like, a few years ago when the big snow happened. Which also begs the question of, is this really the only year that the weather has been so bad that, like, travel has been, you know, iffy? Um, this will lead to something later where Santa may be involved with the FAA. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But I... I know we just started. We haven't even gotten into the actual story yet. But Sam introduces the North Pole, or at least like where Santa and all of Santa's elves lives, as Christmas Town. And does this exist in the same universe as the Nightmare Before Christmas? Is this the Christmas Town that Jack Skellington goes to? <laughs> I will say that Santa's definitely gone through some uh, changes. <laughs> 
in the in the process of that, but I'm not saying it's not where he goes. Or was it this, is stop motion. Or so. was this the inspiration for Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before oh, Christmas? I have no doubt. Not to not to digress, but looking back on this movie, and we'll be getting into a lot of, you know, weird elements of this film. Um, but you do watch it and you can see how so much of this was the basis of pretty much any kids film that came after it you know like when you can definitely see how like even disney probably took cues from this for like later movies and you're like oh wow as we'll get to later there were some pretty big moments that were like this is just the lion king or this is just toy story exactly (laughs) it's a very very similar sentence like there are some very blatant moments like that but then there's also just like general storytelling you know like your hero's journey kind of thing that Mm -hmm. was like i know disney was already doing stuff at this time but i feel like i was like oh they really they definitely saw this and i think were inspired so or you know chicken or the egg type situation sure i mean i one one informs the other after some time you know it's like uh star wars visions kind of so we open on the actual story which is the story of rudolph and it is the day that rudolph is born he's a very cute little fawn little cute little rodolfo is so adorable (laughs) little rodolfo (laughs) like the cutest freaking voice to go along with it and just right off the bat, he's this lovely, sweet, very smart, healthy baby reindeer. And literally the only thing that anyone can comment on is that he has a red nose that glows sometimes. Not all the time, just sometimes. And... With a, with a piercing squeal of a sound behind it as well that I don't know what that is or how that works. But hey, it's magic. So that's fine. I don't know. And immediately, everyone around him starts conflating the fact that he has this red blinking nose. His... And the fact that he'll never be able to fly in the reindeer mm-hmm. games or pull Santa's sleigh. And I'm like, these, these two things, first of all, have no bearing on the other. Uh, second of all, fuck all of you. <laughs> well, it's definitely his alcoholic father, Donner, is just there shitting on him basically from the moment he's born and you know he's doing the whole like i do this and i pull the sleigh and one day you'll do exactly what i do son you'll carry on the family name kind of thing mm-hmm. and, you know but only if you look a certain way uh and he is just as we will <laughs> keep going back to uh donner is a fucking is they're they're all assholes but he is really the the asshole throughout yeah donner can fuck right off <laughs> donner can fuck right off yeah um but I, I feel like, I don't know, is that a commentary on, like, the very fixed, you mm-hmm. know, picturesque I- ideal, and I say this in, like, the biggest air quotes possible, of, you know, you must have, t- you get married, and you buy a house, and you have 2.5 children, because mm-hmm. this is from the mid-60s. Oh, absolutely, and, and it's... Yeah, and, and like, it is that it's, you look a certain way. You must have a certain kind of look. Otherwise, I want nothing to do with you. And, like, the fixation on trying to, to hide Rudolph's nose, you asked some question about, like, why are you trying to change him? But I pointed out, like, this is also at the time when left-handed people were trained to use their right wait, hand because wait. using your left hand was, like, frowned upon. No, 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 no. What I, what I was saying was, like, the term nonconformist that Sam uses yeah. to describe it. I found interesting because I was like, nonconformity, in my mind, mostly lived on with like, you know, like you're making a choice to say like, I will not conform to these societal norms, therefore I am a nonconformist with that. 
which I know it can be used in this case. Well, it was just interesting because it was just like, Rudolph didn't choose to be a nonconformist. Rudolph is a nonconformist, I suppose, by the nature of his environment. Because it's just something that he sure. is born with. But there is an expectation to conform to, like, the, you know, this is the instruction manual for how to oh, no, I know. be yeah. a person. I, and... no, no, I know. I was, just, I, I was just pointing out the difference between, like, making the choice to be a nonconformist as opposed to, like, well, this is just how I am. This... I'm not make. I, I don't want to be a nonconformist. I literally just have a red nose. Like The 60s don't care. It's like, you yeah. need to fall in line and be exactly like everyone oh, else. No, I mean, I and I understand, like, the point of, like, why they're hiding it. My question was not, why are they hiding it? Like, they, I know why they're hiding it, because it is, like, you will look a certain way and act a certain way. I was just, I was tickled by the word nonconformist. Yeah. His uh, nonconformity as Nonconformity. Comments on. No, it's pretty um, obvious why they're covering up his nose. I think I got that. Yeah, it was like, oh no, what will the neighbors say? Was definitely the vibe that I oh, got. Oh, absolutely. It's like, oh no, our child is different, but is otherwise healthy in every other way, <laughs> and is seems very smart and very kind and very talented. So, again, fuck you, Donner. But this takes us forward into, oh, and while this is happening, apparently Santa gets skinny during the year and has to fatten up right before each Christmas. I guess. I, it's a thing that his wife is making him do, who like straight up has him in the kitchen is like, now eat, eat. It's like, all right, okay. like, I, I, I suppose so. This can't be healthy. This is like. Santa's basically a method actor. You can't keep <laughs> dropping and putting on this much weight year after he year. He just spends the whole year yo-yo dieting. Oh boy! No wonder he's no wonder then... he's such a curmudgeon and so yeah. miserable all the time. Oh yeah, Santa don't give a fuck. This he Santa, cannot be bothered. This Santa cannot be bothered and gives no fucks. Um. Meanwhile, uh, moving away from Rudolph for the moment, we are introduced to our other main misfit uh hermie the elf a young justin herbert hard at work who doesn't want to make toys he wants to be a dentist what is his first line because we both responded and it looked like you wrote it down oh it was um someone asked like the the head elf the like the foreman of the factory says like Herbie, you gotta hurry up. There's, you know, a backlog of toys that need painting or whatever it is that they're doing. And I was like, what's wrong? Just unhappy in my work, I guess. And, <laughs> and I feel like Hermie is every person of our generation who is, um, you know, understandably so uh, disillusioned and um, sort of embittered against the, uh, the economic system that we currently find ourselves in. And... You know, he gets part of a, a refrain of a song that will come into play in full form later of, you know, why am I such a misfit? And uh, you can't fire me. I quit. Also, <laughs> and, and, and he's <laughs> studying to be a dentist, which I thought this would have been even funnier if he was like, you know, if he pulls out a book and he's like, I've been studying union negotiating. And they're like, oh, no, you don't. You oh, put no. that away right now. Because well, they straight up deny him his break. And they go, nope, you finish making this story. Yeah, toy. you, don't, you go, don't get to take your 10. You have to finish And the uh, elves have this. no union reps, so. No. Um, but you would think that with, I can only imagine the piles of candy that... Mm -hmm. that the elves and Mr. and Mrs. Claus eat up at the North Pole that you would need, at minimum, a dentist. 
it's amazing this hasn't popped up yet, but we do get this sort of misfit Hermie who has been beaten down by the system, who's on his own and is, you know, basically a secluded loner up there as we see the seeds of the uh, psychopath that we meet later. We'll get to that later, though. <laughs> um, so that's been introduced. Hermie is unhappy in his work. He wants to he wants to follow his passion of dentistry. It's basically Joker. Which I have not seen. It's not good. But it's basically That's just why Joker. I have not seen it. Um, it's basically just that. <laughs> and uh then we cut back to Rudolph, and he's a little bit older, still very young, but he's uh starting he's to play the, the little, reindeer games. The little bumps of the antlers on his head. Yeah, and uh it's sort of his first outing into uh into the general population of the young bucks and does meets meets fireball (laughs) so it's just like okay really like that's the name we came up with you know dasher and dancer and fireball fireball i mean i guess there's one named comet i guess so yeah which is it's like fireball you mean comet no that's someone else i'm fireball no i'm fireball i would love if fireball was actually comet's son They named me Fireball. Um, Either that or that was his, like, frat name. Oh, you know Fireball. He's always got the Fireball shots coming up. And, uh, you know, I forget. Oh, no. You know why it can't be, Fireball can't be Comet Sun? Because Comet is the uh, sort of coach at the well, reindeer but games. But he could be. He could be the coach's son. I guess that's true. Um, I mean, we don't see his mother, which, you know, as this movie will show you, Women have no place in the 1960s. Nope, it's just to worry over the men. And, and to get the women back to the North Pole is the most important thing. Fuck off. Fuck right <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> but then things are actually going pretty well for Rudolph. He's, you know, he meets this cute doe named Clarice, who Hello, is Clarice. really into him. That's all I can and think about. I know. I mean, I feel like the name Clarice has been... Um, not ruined, but it does have a very specific connotation. Have the doe stop screaming, Clarice? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, make the reindeer stop screaming. <laughs> Clarice is haunted by this secretly throughout. And she's arguably... It's just her own screams. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Clarice thinks that Rudolph is cute and she tells him so. Ooh, very forward. And that causes Rudolph to fly. I'm cute. I'm cute. I'm cute. Thank you, Agent Starling. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he impresses everybody with his uh, burgeoning flight mm-hmm. skills. Which is pretty good considering the only other one who tried spluted hard. So it's like he <laughs> is by far just, the standout performer Yeah, here. just face planted into a snowbank and in the excitement because it's very exciting uh his false nose that uh fuck you donner has um crafted well, says, for there's his more son. important things than comfort right. self-respect like, which is a very uh <laughs> aged old ugh, thought for sure god how about you love your child as they are Never. um no, you must. You must. I'm having another reindeer drink. Goodbye. <laughs> um, the false nose pops off. Everybody sees his. Oh no! His horrible his deformity. Nose. His own nose. Oh no! Oh no! Um, I think we just found the title. And then, 
<laughs> and, uh, yeah, he and his entire family become social pariahs because everyone's an asshole Santa except for Clarice. Sh- Santa shames Donner, and then Donner is mad, and then Comet's like, fuck right off, and everyone is teasing him. But yeah, Clarice is the only decent person. Like, being in this universe. Yeah, Clarice doesn't care. She likes Rudolph exactly how he is. And then Sam, where are you in all this, you omniscient narrator? Can't you jump in and fix this? (laughs) Nope. No, we can't. Nope, I'm in the future. They're in the past. God Uh damn it. Damn it, Sam. This isn't the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's no time hopping here. Although, maybe. But you do get a lovely song with Clarice trying to perk up Rudolph's mood and is still like you know you promised to walk me home and it's Mm -hmm. like oh okay so you know what everything's gonna turn out okay for those two not yeah till her dad who could be a dasher dancer or yeah i also was he looks just like donner yeah were all of the adult male reindeer were they all voiced by the same dude? Because they all sound exactly the same. I mean, it's possible. It, it, this is a thing, like, at this time, it's like, if you ever watch any, like, old episodes of the Super Friends from this time, it's like, there were different actors, yet everyone kind of sounds the same. Like, every man sounds a little like this. And I, I don't know why. I think everyone in the 60s just sounded the same. I Maybe. I'm not sure. Any listeners who were alive in the 1960s, please let us know. Did you all just sound the same? Did every man walk around and just go, I'm going down to the store and then I'm coming back here? Like, because I, mean, I don't, because they all do sound like that. Mm-hmm. I have Maybe no it was idea. all of the scotch and cigarettes That's that true. everyone was consuming. And the ignoring of their wives, you know. Uh-huh. That's, um, yeah. It's definitely had something <clears throat> to do with it. But essentially, both Rudolph and Hermie are in very toxic environments. For Rudolph, it's a very we, toxic we get home this. life and social life, and Hermie is in a very toxic relationship where he's basically being berated and belittled by his boss, uh, and they're all, they're both individually and separately. They go, they say, like, fuck it, I'm gonna go off on my own. We're gonna be independent together. together which is great. Also, I didn't want to talk about this, so the, in the f- version of the movie that we watched... There was a different song in this spot than the one that I remember from the VHS I had growing up. I will take your word for it because I I have no reference. I don't remember it being a change, but I would not be surprised if in subsequent releases they said, hey, let's actually switch that Yeah, and I I, honestly, I feel like the song that was in the version that we watched, and I think I've seen this version before, so it wasn't like a huge shock. Uh, I was actually kind of wondering which one we were going to see based off of, like, the version we found to watch. Um, The one in the incarnation that we watched today, it's basically the full song of Why Am I Such a Misfit. I I don't know the exact song title, but it's one that we've heard both Rudolph and Hermie sing before, and this is the full version of it. And they're both kind of like, yeah, I'm a misfit. And it's like, we don't need anybody else. Like, it fits better. But the one that I remember, I think it's called, like, Fame and Fortune. And it's a lot of the same, like, shots. But, I mean, obviously their mouths are just kind of, like, flaps moving. So you can Mm -hmm. put 
pretty much anything and it on w- top of it. Um, but it's about them like going off to find fame and fortune. And this seems to work too from a storytelling perspective because yeah, they both sung the song I'm, "Why Am I Such a Misfit" before, and it's mostly kind of a you know a sad, you know, kind of like down on my luck sort of like feeling. But now they both sing it in this very upbeat, positive way. Of it's like, hey, yeah, I am a misfit, but you know what? That's okay. Which was like, oh, that makes sense. So yeah. that's interesting that they, if they did change it. Uh, I, I wonder, I do not know. yeah, I feel like the version I grew up with may have been, I could be making this up. I feel like that's the one that originally aired or maybe there were two different versions. Clearly there were two different versions. Um, but I feel like, the song that song the reprise or the full version of the why am i such a misfit song mm-hmm. fits better yeah. like it's a better choice but it's that thing of like i but it's there yeah it, the other version is so ingrained in my memory that it's like this is wrong the, i don't like this this is what um, and i kind of mentioned this uh we we watched uh, my neighbor totoro recently um it was her first time i grew up with that movie i love that movie but it was a different dub in the one that's on like you know, I think it's through like HBO. Yeah, I think Max. all the all the yeah. um, Studio Ghibli movies are on HBO yeah. now. So, and it was like a new dub that was much more recent um, with new actors, and so I have that original dub in my head, just on lockdown from watching it as a kid. So I just I knew all the lines when they were coming, yet I was wa- it's like I was watching a different movie. It was bizarre. But yeah, once your head that, is there, the, it's just like the translation's a little bit different too. On slightly, that one, slightly, yeah. For sure. Um, I mean, the story is basically the same. But sure. Yeah, the translation does vary. Yeah. Uh, anywho. Um, but also on that note, while I'm thinking of it, there was a very brief moment towards the end of something that I don't remember being in the version that I grew up with. And it's mm-hmm. a brief little moment because um, we're about to get to Yukon Cornelius as a character. Oh, um, are we? But his thing is, like, he's always searching for... He's a prospector. And, like, first he wants to find gold. And then he wants to find silver. And then... At the very end, it's like right after uh, Rudolph, who is leading the uh, team of reindeer, they take off to go deliver presents on Christmas Eve. Um, And then Yukon finally, like, he does his thing with his pickaxe pickaxe a final time. And I was like, exactly what I wanted to find. It's a peppermint mine. And that little scene, I do not remember. It's a very brief moment. I'm like, this is so weird it to have make, this in here. It would I, make sense why it's there, too, because it is like the rule of three, right? Because it's sure. like, he was like gold, then it was silver, peppermint. and now it's peppermint. peppermint. So it's like, okay, you need, you, need, you need three to make it work. Um, yeah. But I wonder if maybe they stuck that in later, too, when they went, mm, we need to wrap this up somehow. This, this isn't resolving itself. This little beat needs to be resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a weird little thing that was also different. It was like, what is this? But that's a perfect uh, transition into our two heroes who have gone off to, you know, commit crimes or whatnot, are now in the snow and are by themselves, and they come across... Yukon Cornelius with his sleigh dogs, who are not sleigh dogs, but rather... One is a dachshund. One is a One is like there. a Scottish terrier. They're all these little itty-bitty dogs. Which is which is adorable. Um, and we meet this poor, deluded, delusional man who's been sold his capitalist bill of goods that he must strike it rich if he wants to find success and fame. Yes. And seemingly He's... has resigned himself to doing that. So, uh, who knew this movie was such a commentary? <laughs> Yes, Yukon Cornelius, the greatest prospector in the North. Even though he hasn't found jack shit No, yet. he's found... He's found nothing. 
And uh, he yep. keeps doing this thing where he will take his trusty pickaxe and like tap it in the ground and then he will lick it and will be like, nope, still nothing. And I'm like, Yukon, how have, how how is that axe, that metal axe, not stuck to your tongue because you were in the North Pole? How have you not encountered that? How have you not had a Christmas story Esque. He's been downtrodden by the okay. capitalist overlords. He is now at the point where licking the axe he feels will solve his problems. But how is his tongue not stuck to it? Capitalism. Sure, you know what? There's talking reindeer in this, so who am I to judge the laws of the natural world? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and throughout this, and we established this kind of early on, but now it's really becoming part of the plot, they are being stalked and hunted by the abominable snowman. Yes, who is just this um, this menace, uh, this this wild creature. I do remember that snowman though as a kid being like kind of weirdly freaky, just like with the sound. I, I mean, it's supposed to be because, scary. It's but supposed it's but, to be but, but when you look at like the look, like he got the teeth and the eyes, and he looks very kind of like silly and you know all that. But then all of a sudden he lets out these howls that are like, yeah, Jesus, it's like, ugh. yeah, and they're trying to. They keep running away from him because they deduce probably correctly that uh, Rudolph's nose, which I don't know if he can control it maybe it's just because he's so young he that can't, he, you can't just turn it off it's who he is <laughs> but uh he does seem to ev- eventually gain some control over when his nose glows but it keeps giving away their position and uh he's the abominable the from jurassic park being used to lure away the monster uh and uh the abominable snowman keeps finding them because of rudolph's nose and they wind up uh sort of setting sail on this little patch of ice going who knows where they were just doing that to get away from the abominable snowman everyone knows abominable snowmen don't swim they do bounce though apparently so they bounce but they don't float who am i to question the laws of the natural worlds in this movie not me dentists dentists not nine out of ten dentists agree to, uh, to not question the laws of physics in the world of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And the tenth dentist is Hermie. <laughs> uh, so they're on this little ice float, and they wind up crashing into the island of misfit toys. Which is really just full of a bunch of toys that, like had manufacturing errors. Like, that's really what it seems like. There's a, 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 a train, a toy train that has square wheels. So have we established and... that, like, Santa and his elves have been, have made all of these toys? Like, because that, that's apparently where, like, toys all come from. So who dropped the ball and gave the train square wheels? I want to know. I don't know. Is this, like, where... Do they have their, do the toys on the Island of Misfit Toys, do they get their memories wiped? Or are they taken to the Island of Misfit Toys before they've developed sentience? Because clearly they're all sentient beings. Because they all want to go back to Santa's workshop because Santa will find homes for them. Is it just some some new rookie mm. elf who is so embarrassed by their mistake? That... Hermie had to be. We established Hermie is not good at his job. So maybe. I feel like Hermie's not bad at his job. He just doesn't find joy in his job. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of the other toys that we meet there? Because there is a there's a whole pamphlet. There's so we talked about the the 
the toy train, there's, this just seems like a mix-up in the fabric used, but there's a spotted elephant, which is adorable. It's super cute. Super cute. Um, you have a jack-in-the-box whose name is Charlie, <laughs> not Jack. Uh, and no one wants to play with a Charlie in the box. We have a... A cowboy that rides an ostrich instead of a horse. A clinically depressed doll who seemingly has nothing misfit about her. I don't have any more dreams left to dream. Oh, man. <laughs> she she has seen better days. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, there's a bird that swims but doesn't fly and it's not a penguin. 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 Yeah, where, where are all the penguins? Oh, wait, no. That's in, that's, the, South that's in the South, yeah. We're in the, the wrong half of the planet. But remember, um, reindeer fly. Uh, reindeer but penguins, fly. that's too so, much. No, pe- penguins in the North Pole, that's too much. <laughs> that, that is too weird. <laughs> um, uh, what would Sam say? There's... Oh, there's there, it's a, a water pistol that shoots jelly yeah. instead. Have you tried yeah, you, filling yourself with water you instead of jelly? Have turning it off and turning it on again? Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, um, it's all these things that, like, aren't really broken. I mean, I get maybe the toy train with the square wheels. Like, that does seem like a mistake. But I do I do like that the, as odd as this is, the message, I, I think, at the heart of it is very sweet in that they want Santa to find them homes, not to, like, Change us, make us into something normal. Like I'm glad that that's not the message. Yeah, that it there's, is just like there is a child out there who will yeah, love you. We, we just we we can't get to them though, yeah. but you can get us there. I do like that part of it. Is like oh that's that's nice. Yeah, no, it it is a nice sentiment of like all of these misfits, you know, quote misfits banding together to be like, well, we'll look out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a a, a good message and we meet is it king moonraiser who is the flying lion who rules uh king moon something it's the flying (laughs) lion who rules over the island of misfit toys and he's sort of like the anti-santa of he goes and finds toys that children no longer want and brings them to live in this like commune of misfit toys on this island see this is the commune this is the kind of like you know socio-communist kind of like commune (laughs) that they are rejecting capitalism um but he goes he's so king moonraiser is kind of the the marie kondo of this world of like you don't need these things that you no longer love does it spark joy does it spark okay these toys no longer spark joy for you little child let me take this how could you not have your joy sparked by a spotted elephant It's so cute. It's so cute. Um, but the because you've got Rudolph and Hermie and Yukon Cornelius there and like, we're a bunch of misfits. Maybe we can stay here and live on your misfit nope. island. No, this this misfit island is only for toy misfits and you're a, a living, breathing misfit. So you can't stay here. You are too much of a misfit for these misfits. To which we get the great Yukon Cornelius line, even amongst misfits, you're misfits. It was like, thanks, bro. Um, yeah, so then they're allowed to stay the night, but then they have to be on their way. Or King Moonracer will throw them into the arena. Sure. Uh, but meanwhile, Rudolph is like, well, I can't keep putting my friends in danger because of my nose. So I'm going to go off on my own. And he does. And that's the end. He goes through a uh, reindeer puberty. And after a while on his own. Um, oh, during all of this, Sam is narrating this passage of time that mm. 
is probably only a matter of months um, because reindeer time. But uh, Sam says Rudolph existed as best he could. Which is about well, what we're all trying to we're do, all, right? Yeah, we're all kind of there. We're just we're just doing our best. And it's important and... to note that in amongst this, as he goes through reindeer puberty and his antlers grow long, we go back to Christmas Town where Donner's feeling very bad because, you know, maybe he was being a little harsh on his son. Just a bit. Just a little so bit. So he decides to go off to look for him, to which his wife wants to come too, to which we get the classic 1964 line. No, this is, is man's, man's work. work. But you're a reindeer. And then Clarice shows up, and then they go out anyway. So yep. it's like, okay. Um, cause, so now they've all left. Yeah, because again, Clarice being the only decent person who isn't part of the misfit group. Because mm-hmm. all of the misfits, like they're pretty, all right. They're 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 fine. Yeah. Um, but Clarice is also like, no, I'm that that was terrible of all of you, and I'm gonna try to find him and make it right. So they all leave. But then Rudolph is now, uh, you know, a teenage Rudolph, and he realizes, you know, I can't keep running away from my problems. I gotta you have go forgotten home. Who you are, and so remember, Rudolph, me. who you are. You are the red. It just becomes reindeer. the Lion King. No wonder. <laughs> my love shifted from this movie to the lion king there's so many parallels no wonder you really want to play henry and henry the fifth i really do that's all that hal is he wants to run away from his problems until he has to mature and become the king hal is the prodigal son come home to take his rightful place of leadership it's that arch and that and that redemption story also that you that you do love so I'm much. I'm a sucker in most for things. a redemption arc. Uh, <laughs> Zuko's arc in Avatar: The Last Air- Airbender is like the best redemption arc I've ever seen. Zuko, Zuko my baby, the red nosed reindeer. Now that would be an interesting. Crossover. Um, so where are we? Rudolph goes back. He remembers back to, who he is. Yeah, he remembers. Uh, he has. We don't get an epic uh, sequence of him running across the uh, Arctic tundra to a Hans Zimmer score. Um, But he does return to Christmas Town only to find that everyone he's looking for has gone out to look for him. And Santa's just like, yep, we're kind of fucked. And we can't find then the him. writers were like, hey, we really got to wrap this up. Rudolph needs to know exactly where to go. And exactly where to go is into the lair of the abominable snowman where he arrives just in time to see Clarice almost being eaten by this monster. And we see Luke hanging from the ice inside as well. <laughs> um, And, and then... Meanwhile, Rudolph promptly gets knocked out. Yeah, he gets knocked like the fuck out. But he he does try to save. He tries, Clarice and he d- and I guess succeeds temporarily in that he distracts before the getting concussed. Yeah, before getting totally concussed. Meanwhile, uh, Hermie and Yukon have been looking for Rudolph. They wind up back at Christmas Town, and then Sam, who apparently inserts himself into the story at this point and at no other time, um, sends. Hermie and Yukon to go find Rudolph. Um, and uh, uh, they devise this strategy, this horrible, horrifying strategy, uh, where they trick the abominable snowman into coming outside of his cave. They knock the abominable snowman sort of unconscious. I hope he's unconscious because then, and I do remember this from when I was a kid, but it it is truly horrifying. Hermie, the dentist in training, pulls out 
what seems to be every tooth in that monster's mouth. Every single one. Every, every tooth. The psychopath finally gets to flex his power. And it's... You know, played for like, hey, you know, this is a way to like defeat the abominable snowman without having to kill him because this is a Christmas special and we can't do that. But it's like, this is, you have, you you have condemned this creature to a slow and painful death by starvation. This creature is clearly a carnivore. Also, you know, Hermes has got like, or Hermes, not Hermes, but Hermes <laughs> has got like all those teeth in his little elf home on the shelf, right? Next to the elf on the shelf. It's just <laughs> well, is teeth. he then the elf on the shelf? He, he would be, but next to all of these teeth. Like, you know that he keeps those as trophies. Oh, God. Um, but they think they're safe. The abominable snowman is, understandably, rather upset at this turn of events and attacks them, but Yukon, like, forces him the two of them like over a cliff it's and they think Yukon is crusade-esque thing yeah you know? and they think Yukon is dead but you know the best thing to do would be to get the women back to christmas town that's Fuck true off. that's the most important thing <laughs> that's the most important thing uh because oh by the time uh rudolph comes back before he heads out to to look for um his family and clarice we learn that it's only two days till christmas it's only two days, so they're, the, the, the clock is ticking, and they get back, and they're, you know, very briefly mourning the loss of Yukon Cornelius, and I say briefly because then he shows up with the abominable snowman in tow. And he's... As a slave. He's conformed him. He says he has learned now. He just wants a job. And it's his job is to put the star on the top of the Christmas tree. I mean, I guess there are a lot of Christmas trees in Christmas Town, but also like he doesn't have a the abominable snowman doesn't have a choice anymore. He can't fend for himself. He can't. He needs to like be provided with food because his usual food source, which apparently is reindeer, see, he can't again, eat anymore. The capitalist society has taken away everything that he could have used for himself, and now have said, "Now you're part of the machine." Yeah, now you've been forced to become part of the machine because we have damaged you beyond repair, and you are now dependent upon this system to sustain you. It's real fucked up. Um. And I don't know how much more there is to say on that. Oh no! I mean, note. it's. I mean, he does pick up Hermie at one point, and it looked like he almost wanted to be like, "You're the son of a bitch that took my teeth. You took my teeth. I could just um, crush you into a mash right now if you wanted and to." And I, I think I had forgotten this little details for a sequence of events of like people do apologize to Rudolph before he is needed for his nose. They and do. I was like, okay, that's slightly better than what I remembered it being. But then, oh no, it's really stormy. You you know how the song goes. It's, you know, one very foggy Christmas Eve. Um, they think that Christmas won't happen. Um, that Santa won't this be able to This is apparently the first storm. The only time in the history of Santa delivering presents that it, the weather has been bad enough uh, for... for it to prevent travel, but Rudolph is like, yeah, I'll, I'll lead your team and we'll be able to save Christmas. It'll be great. I do really hope that Rudolph is the most petty about this for the rest of his life. Oh, absolutely. Hey, remember when you uh, shamed me so much, you collectively as a society shamed me so much that I uh, 
uh, had to leave. And then me and my friends and my family all almost got eaten because of your um of your bigotry. Well, you know um, that when Donner becomes an old reindeer, he's just going to be like torturing him, being like, hi, Dad, how about now? How about now? But I do really hope that the fact that Rudolph winds up saving Christmas, I, that he is the most petty about for oh, absolutely. the rest of his life. There's, um, uh, it's a really great audio drama called Unseen. And in one of the episodes, there is a line that says pettiness is vastly underrated. And I think about it a lot. That's <laughs> a good line. It's I great. Like um, go listen to Unseen if you're into audio dramas. Um, and uh, yeah, I just hope that he's the pettiest bitch for the rest of his life. Because you know what? He deserves it. He does. It's true. He deserves it. But they take off. Donner is on the ground. So I guess he's not part of it now. Once again, I'd be dad. Also, they very distinctly say at, towards the beginning of the movie when um, when Santa is sort of explaining like the reindeer games and who gets picked to be on the the reindeer team that there are eight reindeer mm-hmm. in the final shot or the final sequence of the movie. There are seven, including Rudolph, which means that the normal team, as far as like how they're hooked up, is only six. Why? Prancer took a dive mm-hmm. back around uh, the lake back there. It was very sad. Maybe only six other reindeer qualified at the reindeer games, and they're like, you know what, we'll make do. Maybe. Or maybe they like streamlined it so that budget cuts. Maybe. Who knows? We got it. We got to do it. We got to cut it down, guys. There's too many reindeer. Too many stables. Maybe there were too many injuries in the reindeer games and a lot of people got benched. Maybe Donner and Comet got grounded for being fucking assholes. I mean, as they should be. You should get your your reindeer game privileges revoked, Donner and Comet. But then everybody would. Maybe, I don't know. So then it's just Rudolph, like, bashing them in the head going like, no more reindeer games. Also, where is that storm Oh yeah, that no, was the storm, everything. that storm disappears pretty It's just kind of foggy. <laughs> it's like, this isn't that bad. And then you go to the Island of Misfit Toys and there's nothing. It is very clear. They're like, maybe the storm got them. I'm like, what storm? There's what storm? no storm. It's just a little foggy outside. But they but they managed to save our poor doll from having a complete mental breakdown. Yes, they go, they do swing by uh the island of misfit toys, uh like they promised uh that they would and all throw the, them off the back of the sled in midair be instead like, of actually I hope just you, landing. I hope you land down the chimney. Although the, um, the image of the spotted elephant riding down on an umbrella is quite cute. Yes. Um and that's the movie. That's the 50-minute movie that we've probably been talking about longer than the actual runtime. We have a lot to unpack. Of, we do. Um, yeah, that's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, <laughs> There's not really much more to say, I It's a think. very it's, simple yeah, story. It, it is what it is. It's not trying to be anything more than it is. Uh, as we usually do, what worked for us and what did not work for us? Oh, I mean, I think that it's a... That overall, it has a very sweet tone to it. And it's very, you know, obviously very old-fashioned in a lot of its ways. But that was sort of more from, like, a charming perspective, I would say. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, it's, I, I, I don't know if there was anything that did not work. I mean, you know, some references and things are definitely dated and have not aged well, mostly in 
you know, sideline any female characters aside from being like, you're the love interest or you are the worried mother yeah. or something like that. So like, you know, that definitely ages it significantly. Um, but yeah, it's a very straightforward, cute, simple, lot of really like some, some very clever lines as well. I thought like it's, it's sentimental, but it's also very weird in its own kind of bizarre sense of humor. Like, you know, Hermie as a character entirely is such a weird, odd thing, which is fun to listen to. And you get some great throwaway lines. It's like, it's like peanut butter. What do you mean pea soup? You eat what you eat and I'll eat what I eat or something. Like, yeah. it's like just, there's some fun little throwaways in there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it works overall, I think. Yeah, I I really like the the emphasis on, you know, being a misfit, a quote misfit is okay and you're allowed to be who you are. I really enjoy Hermie's journey of fall of quitting his terrible job and following his passion. The Hermie journey. Um, the Hermie journey. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it does, you know, it still stirs up those nostalgic feelings. Um, still love Rudolph, like baby Rudolph. Like I, I understand why little Nicole latched onto this movie so hard. Oh, it's um, the fate of the abominable snowman really sits badly with me. Yeah, it's really that, fucked up. That 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 is that is weird. It's we we were joking about it, but it is weird. It's super fucked up, and I I wish that if you know maybe if this was made now, letting Rudolph be petty at the end. I mean, like, no, yeah, I'm never gonna let any of you live. And down. they definitely would not rip out the snowman's teeth and make him go work. No. There. They would probably just find a amicable understanding. Yeah. It would be, um, yeah. That's like a, a really, I, I don't like that. I do not like how that ends. Um, with the maiming of a sentient creature. Um, and he's kind of cute in a weird, you know, way, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like, oh, he's, he's just a snowman. Yeah. Maybe he, the reason he's so angry is because he just wants to be, you know, part of Christmas Town. He wants and to. And they all run away. He's and also are a misfit. Yeah. That's how they would spin it if they made it now. It's like the abominable mm-hmm. snowman is also a misfit, and he joins their merry band of misfits. Yeah. And he just wants to. He just he, he just wants to be loved. He's gonna really love Christmas trees, and he loves decorating them. And you know what he? What if inside his cave? It was immaculately decorated. What if he wants to be an interior designer this is and he the, loves the, decorating for Christmas? This is some Pixar shit right now. That's yeah. what I want. That's the and then the, they, the 2020s reboot, reboot of... Reboot. A reboot. Reboot. Sorry, there's a helicopter flying overhead and it's, it's very rebooting. loud. Um, Because what if you did that? Yeah, what if you like he wants to be an interior designer and he's like crafted maybe his own version of Christmas Town? Like he's like you know he's got it laid out and it's like you know this is where that is and this is where that or like he wants to be an architect like that. Yeah. Where it's like and then this going to be can, a city planner and then you could put that there and that there and they go this is great. You should really come to the real Christmas Town and see what it's like. And for him, that's like oh I don't know that's that that's a little too every much. time like, I try everybody screams that and would runs be, away. That would be scary. But then it's like no come with us and then you bring him in. Yeah. He's all shy. But then they all go, hey, it's okay. And then he becomes the city planner of the North Pole and is working with Santa rather mm-hmm. than being a toothless slave. Or maybe he's so angry he has a really bad toothache. Maybe. And Hermie then you can bring pulls, the... pulls the one bad tooth that and was causing him okay. pain. 
And then, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we're pitching a different movie now. Um, Maybe a version where Hermie is not a complete psychopath. <laughs> that's all we're asking, people. It's not that much. Um. So, yeah, that's in a very roundabout way. That's what worked and what didn't work for me. Uh, let us give our revised grades. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Um, I started at an A, and looking at it again, as per a lot of things we talked about, there's still a lot that, looking at it as the kind of film that it is, you can't really, I don't think it's fair to, like, you know, expect it to be more than it is. And sure. I think it, it Meeting works, it on its yeah, level. Yeah, it works as a very sweet holiday film, definitely aimed at kids, for sure. You know, you can see where that's all in, and it still has a lot of that charm, that hasn't aged all that much. Like, yes, it's very sentimental and you can probably get a little saccharine for some people, but I think it works overall. Snowman stuff aside, a little weird. Um, I started in an A, I'd give it a B. It's a solid B. Like, I'm not judging it for what it's not. Um, I do think some stuff could have been better, could have worked out a little bit better like we talked about. But overall, I think it's a very fun, harmless enough movie. It's great if you have if you have young kids who you want to introduce to it, you know, something like that. Like they'll I think they'll take to it very quickly. It still has a lot of that charm to it. And it still is mostly telling these good messages about being like, if you're a misfit, that's okay. It's okay to be different, which is always an important thing to, I think, tell kids about. Yeah, I I started at an A plus. I think I'm also going to drop it to a B for a lot of the same reasons that you just described. Um I uh yeah, it's very sweet um, and acknowledging that it was made in the 60s, uh, which does not excuse some some dated things, but it does explain them. Um, and yeah, I think it's very sweet. If this is on TV during Christmas time, I'm absolutely going to oh, sit yeah. down and watch it. It's it's about 50 minutes long. It's you you have the time to sit down and watch this. It's a very sweet Christmas movie. I love the songs in it, most of them anyway. Um and like You've so, got Burl Ives in yeah. there with his lovely voice like helping take you through that, which is yeah. great. Yeah, it's very sweet and if you can get past the horrifying maiming of the abominable snowman at the end, which is played for laughs, um yeah, <laughs> I'm going to give it a B. We should go work on that new version with the snowman. Mm -hmm. Maybe, and I think you can include both. He has a toothache that Hermie can help him out with, as well as he wants to be a city planner. I think this is something we can do. Slash interior designer. Slash interior designer. He just likes designing things. Maybe he wants to be just, yeah, he's, he's an architect. Mm -hmm. um, there you have it, folks. Uh, revised grades from both of us is a B. B. A nice, solid B. And B is for, um, um, I was going to say B is for Balto. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, which is kind of similar because there are sled dogs in this. Yeah, we did bring that up in our, with Balto, our very first episode. We mentioned that Balto was basically Rudolph the Red Nose right there. And here we are at the end of the first, at least, calendar year of our, uh, Balto, with what a your movie. instincts so keen, won't you guide the sled so the children don't die? <laughs> Doesn't quite, quite have a nice enough ring. Um, but I think it's that time where we plug our socials. Um, if you want to follow the show on social media, we are on Twitter and Instagram at WhatAMoviePod. Also, if you've been enjoying the show, this episode, the show as a whole, um, 
If the platform you're listening allows you to rate and leave a review, um, please do so. We would love to hear from you what you think about the show and, you know, give us five stars if you can, please. And thank you. And if you Um, don't want to, that's okay. But just don't say or leave anything then. And that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't Be like nice. it, keep it to yourself. Um, yeah. But uh, if you to switch back to social media, if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nicole Knutson sixteen. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the real Jay Ferrero. That's real with two e- e- e's e's. Wow, sorry, I uh, <laughs> brain snap uh, like a film reel, and then Ferrero as in Ferrero Rocher. Alrighty, it is. We did start recording in the afternoon, but it's now fully dark outside, so it's nighttime for us. So good night or good day or good morning whenever you're listening to this. And stay tuned for a couple weeks. We're going to come back with one more Christmas special while yes. the season is still on from a very similar but very different um, type of movie, which we're looking forward to. And we will not be misers about that. <laughs> we won't tell you what that is. I'm James Ferrero. And I'm Nicole Knutson. And what, what a, a movie. movie. with your nose so bright. No, I won't. Fuck off.